Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, and today's conversation will be for the second Sunday after Pentecost, specifically the gospel lesson according to St. Mark, the third chapter, and you can listen to the readings on the podcast, the reading podcast that was dropped yesterday. So, it's an interesting event. You have Jesus teaching, I'm sure the disciples are there, and you have his family come. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because we don't actually get a lot of family interaction with Jesus. No, and of the stuff you've heard of, this is probably not an interaction you've heard of. Right. Um, So he's teaching and preaching, and then the Blessed Virgin Mary shows up with brothers, with Jesus' brothers. And on the onset, they say he is out of his mind. Yeah, and it says they tried to to seize him. Yes. And so— the reason that we're saying that it's Mary and brothers is because if you skip down in the reading to verse 31, you'll see that it specifically names his mother and his brothers, while in back in verse 21 when it says family, that's a more general term. And so we are, we're reading back saying, hey, it gets more, more specific right. later. So in the general, it's probably talking about these people, but that, that creates a huge problem for us because now— we're saying that Mary and his brothers were trying to like basically kind of carry him away and yeah. we're saying he's out of his mind. And that, I don't know about you, but that makes me a little uncomfortable. I've been wrestling with this since we've decided to do this text because why? Right. Why would they do this? Especially when you look at the Blessed Virgin Mary with the um, birth and the announcements and all this, you see that she's not only just a faithful Jew, but she's a faithful disciple in the Mm -hmm. sense of God said so, yes, let it be. And she just accepts it. And it's not blind, God said so, so I'm going to do this. She really participates faithfully. And this seems very out of character of at least Mary. Right. Calling her son out of his mind. Now, just because she has good faith doesn't mean she always gets it. For example, let's take Jesus at the temple. You know, they leave Jesus in Jerusalem. Uh, They go three days. How bad is it that you lose the Messiah? (laughs) That's a a parenting problem. Uh, And I'm sure that at the time it was not as big a deal. Uh, But to us, it's like, how do you not see your child for three days and make sure that they're okay? But so she left her she left Jesus in Jerusalem and she goes back and she says, oh, why didn't you tell us, you know, what, mm. what's going on? And she says, didn't you know that I would right. be in my father's house? And so just because Mary is, has a great faith doesn't mean she always understands what Jesus is doing. She's not excluded from the, just like everybody else, like the disciples, she's not excluded from not understanding exactly Jesus's mission. But let me push back on this. Mm-hmm. A 12 year old Jesus yep. and the Blessed Virgin Mary and the guardian Joseph. Yep. They're their parents. Mm-hmm. And the relationship between younger and older, you know, so on and so forth. But now Jesus in the midst of his ministry. And it seems that this is Mary 
acting against his ministry, right. uh, saying something contrary that's not building, that's not supporting. And not that, you know, we need a helicopter mother coming around and doing this, but it, it's interesting because this is an expression of faith or lack of. And this is where it gets really hard. Is this a statement that she's saying, don't listen to him? Mm-hmm. And I think this is where it gets really interesting because, no, I agree with you. Uh, the 12-year-old Jesus event, that's not a disbelief, and that's not even her acting unfaithful. Yeah. That's her not getting the fullness of what's happening. Right. And it's not that I think that, oh, I forgot. He's also the Messiah. She goes into parent mode, earthly mode, however you want to say that. Here, I think it's a little different. And I would like to push on this point. And I, I really think that she absolutely loves her son. Mm-hmm. And the first verse of this text, then he, Jesus, went home, and the crowd gathered again, so again, so that they could not even eat. So in my mind's eye, you know, painting the, the, the visual picture, you got this crowd yeah. trying to listen to the infamous Jesus. Yeah, and he's, he's just kind of getting started in his ministry. Right. He's just kind of beginning, and he's very popular. Right. And you don't want to be popular with the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious elite. Well, he he's becoming popular with the scribes in a not good way. Right. Because the scribes come down out of Jerusalem and are basically saying he's possessed by the devil. Well, yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah, I know. I'm jumping ahead. Because I, I think they make that claim because of what Mary says. Oh, really? Or, or okay. because of what the family says. And I think Mary's trying to protect. And, and this is my opinion. I, I'm trying to make sense of this. I, I don't think that Mary and her other sons, Jesus' brothers, I don't think there's any denial. I don't think there's any faith issues. I think they see Jesus and they come in to protect him. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, I, I think your statement, they don't get it. Uh, they see that Jesus is doing something important, but they also want to help him. How are we going to help him? I see the Sadducees. I see the scribes. I see the people who are out to get him. Let's make, let's protect him. Right. Like being popular in this time, getting a gathering together is maybe not the wisest choice. Right. I mean, the Israel is under Roman control mm-hmm. and tensions are high. There's talk of rebellion. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the populist leader. Right. That puts you in a dangerous position to Rome's rulers. Not to mention, you're also kind of getting on the bad side of the religious Yes. Ruler. So I, I kind of see what you're saying. This idea of like maybe they're trying to to dismiss him to protect him. Right. Now, I would say that does point to them not understanding his mission then. Oh, absolutely. Because ultimately, Jesus is not there to be protected. And right. the disciples struggle with this too. Yes. You know, Jesus says, I'm going to, this is later on in Mark, I'm going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised. And Peter says, no. Mm-hmm. Far be it from you, Lord. Don't do that. We'll right. protect you. Yes. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Yes. You're standing in the way of the ministry. And I, I think, um, as we were talking before we recorded, that really is the same thing. And it is a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. It's a lack of, of the fullness of the, the seeing the vision of the mission that Jesus has come. And the interesting part about that is, he hasn't shied away from pointing this out. Right. It's not like nobody has heard this before from him. Now, granted, bigger crowds and so on and so forth, 
But it almost seems as if Mary and her sons are trying to make an excuse for Jesus to act this way. Right. To get to this popular uh, situation and teaching and to try to well, not only protect, but maybe even direct the scribes away from the mission, from the fact that he is challenging what they're teaching and preaching. Well, it's almost like in court pleading an insanity defense. Yes, uh, as I bring that up, I really liked how you said that uh, before recording. Right, because essentially what they're saying is like, yes, we know he's causing trouble. Mm -hmm. Yes, we know that he's getting these huge popular crowds, but you don't have to worry about him. He's not a threat to you. Uh, he doesn't know what he's saying, mm -hmm. uh, so don't don't come after him. And yes, is this trying to protect him? Absolutely. Right. But that is also attacking Jesus's message. Yes. And that is not a good thing for them to be doing. And it, it's interesting because one of the things that we've been talking about, kind of more in, in private, is intentions mm -hmm. and whether intentions matter to the result of something. So what you're saying is the intention of their family was good. Yeah, good intentions. The intention was to protect Jesus. You probably should protect your son. You probably yes. should protect your sibling. That's and, and if they're acquiring a crowd, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they're getting the attention of the wrong people, maybe it would be wise to try to protect them. That's a good intention. But what's the result? And the result of this is that they undermine what Jesus is saying. They undermine his ministry mm -hmm. by trying to make excuses for Jesus. They're getting in the way of what he's come to do. Oh, absolutely. And um, I I've made this statement. Uh, I don't like cliches. Mm -hmm. And I hate cliches that are true. Mm -hmm. But how do you defend or protect a lion? You let him go. Right. And that's the thing. They're trying to protect Jesus and not let him go. And it's not, you know, oh, you know, love, you let him free and, you know, so on yeah, and so yeah. forth. But it's a whole idea that Jesus can really take care of himself. Right. Well, and let's make this connection. Mm -hmm. Let's make this, this leap here to the modern day. You know, we are not Jesus's mother and brothers, although maybe by the end of the yeah. passage, maybe we are. We are yeah. Um, Sometimes we feel the responsibility to try to protect Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, and especially when we feel like he's being attacked or he's drawing the wrong kind of attention. Yes. And to be fair, sometimes that really does happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Christians are in the news for the wrong reasons. Yep. Sometimes Jesus is being talked about for the wrong reasons. Absolutely true. Well, my, you know, the favorite statements, what Jesus really means is. Right. And, and, and that's what we try to do. Mm -hmm. We try to explain Jesus away. We right. try to make excuses for him. And oftentimes we'll not go as far as saying, well, he was a little crazy. Right. We'll say things like, well, things were different then. Mm -hmm. Or, well, what Jesus really meant was, you know, fill in the blank here. Or like, don't take that part seriously. Listen to this part. And the what we're trying to do, we're trying to make Jesus safe. Mm -hmm. We're trying to protect him from all the people that are trying to attack him. But he's a lion. He doesn't need to be protected. And maybe we should examine if by trying to make excuses for him, by trying to protect him, are we actually getting in the way of his ministry? Are we actually getting in the way of his mission today? And I think sometimes we are. I would absolutely agree with that, especially going back to the text. Look at the scribes do, picking up on the statement, he is crazy, he's out of his mind. 
they immediately attach him to Beelzebub, mm-hmm. Satan. Uh, the look, prince of demons. Yeah. Look what he's doing. He's doing this because he has, he's in cahoots with Satan. And I, I, I love Jesus in the sense that, uh, again, in my mind's eye, very calmly he stands up. And I almost hear a sigh and an eye roll. <sighs> Guys, if I'm really working for Satan, would I be casting out demons? Would I be working against him? Would I be doing all these things? Well, and here's the thing. That response proves that Jesus can take care of himself. Exactly. Because they just leveled the biggest possible accusation you can throw at a guy. Mm-hmm. They just said, he is possessed by the devil. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't get much worse than an accusation like that. Like, if if there was anything Jesus needed to be protected from, right? being called the devil is, is one of those things. And yet, Jesus shows clearly here, I don't need you making up excuses. Right. I don't need you defending me. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to try to convolute my words and say, well, what Jesus really meant here. You exactly. Know, because he's perfectly capable of defending himself. Well, not only that, but even in the, the, the parable that he tells, it's not a defensive statement. Right. It's not, let me prove it. I'll show you that I'm the son of because God. Because Jesus is not actually about defending himself. He's right. here to die. Yeah. He's here to be a servant, not to, to be this destructive ruling king. He's here to rule as a king through sacrifice and through weakness and right. defeat. So maybe even by trying to make Jesus win at all, mm-hmm. we've completely lost sight that Jesus actually came to lose, to well, lose his life for us. Right. And this is one of the reasons the Pharisees really miss this again mm-hmm. and again, because they're looking for the conquering Messiah right. who will finally give Rome what's coming to them. And they end up with Jesus. And look what his mother and brothers say about him. And so obviously he can't be the Messiah. He's possessed. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's able to do these things. And again, Jesus showing up or, or standing up and simply saying, no, I can't do that. I don't do that. This is what I do. And the thing that I really appreciate is by making these statements, he's pointing back, look what I've done. And I've been consistent in everything that I've said and done to show you who I am. And I really like the power in weakness because Jesus comes in the flesh. Jesus doesn't just poof, everybody forgiven, everybody in heaven. This is all about being a part of creation, participating in the sufferings, the pains, the trials, the tribulations, all for the sake of bringing us out of them. And he connects himself in our weakness Mm -hmm. by bringing the strength and being able to absolutely defend himself. But he does this by living out in the weakness in this, which moves us into the other statement that he makes in this parable. He talks about the forgiveness of sins, which yeah. again is only something that he can do. And I wonder if, because um, he's called on forgiving sins by the Pharisees on a couple other occasions. Yeah, he gets in trouble for this. And I wonder if he throws this in, you know, again, just, just to poke the bear a little bit. You know, I can do this because I'm God. I can do this because this is what I've been sent to do. But then he makes this really big statement, the blaspheming against the Holy Spirit as the unforgivable sin. And I wonder if he turns to the scribes and levels that accusation against them. And, and, and I, you know, and not to be mean or, or anything. Right. They obviously don't get it, and they're attacking Jesus for all the wrong reasons. I don't know their faith, 
But is this a warning to them? I actually think this is exactly a statement that must be understood hmm. in the context of what is currently happening. Right. So this verse gets a lot of people worried. Yes. I remember, you know, I was doing prison ministry and this verse came up like just totally random because it had been bugging this person for so long. What if I've committed the unforgivable sin? I really love this question and I right. mean that sincerely. Well, let's look at the context mm -hmm. and let's look at why Jesus is even bringing this up. Yeah. So Jesus says, truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whoever and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they said he has an unclean spirit. So here's what I think is happening. Okay. I think the reason Jesus brings this up is because they just blasphemed. Yes. Against him. Yes. That's why he says, for they said he had an unclean spirit. Right. By saying he was possessed by the devil, they blasphemed against God the Son. Mm -hmm. And what he is saying is, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. But he's also saying, I forgive you for blaspheming against me, God the Son. What will not be forgiven is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. So what is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit? And this is also very relevant yes. to what is happening. Right. Notice he doesn't say, Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, that's so bad right. that you yeah. never get forgiven. Like, that's the worst. Mm. That's not what he says. That's not why he says it. Mm. He says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings forgiveness from God to his people. Right. And the Holy Spirit does that by working through faith. Yes. In other words... If you do not have faith, you do not receive the forgiveness that right. God is offering to you because you have rejected the Holy Spirit that is trying to create faith in you, which is there to deliver forgiveness. Right. So this is not a sin that you can like accidentally commit like as a Christian. Oops. You know, where, and Jesus is not even talking about like, blaspheming the Holy Spirit's name, mm -hmm. like saying the wrong Misusing. thing. Misusing. Right. right. Because what we forget is when we talk about blaspheming and when we talk about using God's name, we get caught up on like the specific words. Mm -hmm. But take a look at, say, Luther's small catechism or his large catechism. When he talks about the second commandment, when he talks about blaspheming God's name, it's about what trusting what God has said. Mm -hmm. It's about having faith in the promises in God's words that are delivered in his name. It's not about saying a bad word. It's about saying, A, saying things that God has not commanded you to say, i.e. like a prophet saying, I'm from the Lord, here's a prophecy, and God did not deliver that prophecy. Right. Like, that would be an example. Mm -hmm. Or not trusting or not delivering the promises that God has given. So it actually is related to faith. And the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit is about faith. And so that's why it's quote unquote unforgivable because it is the thing which gives you forgiveness. Right. If you're going to reject the thing that's there to give you forgiveness, to deliver that forgiveness, then you can't receive any forgiveness. Well, and that's why Jesus makes the statement, the eternal sin. Yep. This is what earns you hell. It is un it is. Unbelief. Unbelief. It is the denial of God, so on and so forth. And I, not only the, the idea that, as you brought up, looking at the, the scribes and the Pharisees and Sadducees, you blaspheme against me. 
And it's almost tread lightly. Yeah. Because this was what it leads to. Right. It is the unforgivable sin. Because now if you deny me and continue to deny me, well, that's the Father who sent me. Right. And that's the Holy Spirit. And you are saying no. And we need to be really careful with this. I, I once had a conversation with a pastor, and I asked about this. And I said, I'm not really worried, but I have no problem saying it's in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Did I do this? Have I done this? Yeah. And he said, if you're worried about it, you're good. Because it is the understanding of faith. And you're worried about what you're doing with God, what is God doing, and where do you receive forgiveness? And there's the, the hinge point. Where do you find forgiveness? It's in Christ. Well, how do I know that? The Holy Spirit. And in this, you get this wonderful Trinitarian cycle. And again, it's always grace. It's always mercy. And we should always be worried, not about accidentally blaspheming or the unforgivable sin, but it also puts us in our proper place. Mm-hmm. Where are we going for salvation? Where are we going for hope? Where do we go for to get forgiveness? Right. And ultimately, it's Christ through the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Christ through the Holy Spirit. And I love that. And I also want to even play on the, that statement that Jesus says, you know, he has an unclean spirit, making that accusation. Jesus is possessed by the Holy Spirit. And to say the unclean spirit, I think, again, there's a statement oh, of— Okay, I, I see what you're saying, yeah. You know, tread lightly, because what am I delivering to you? The spirit that dwells in me is not an unclean spirit. The right. spirit that dwells in me is the Holy Spirit. Which and I want to give. that's who you're speaking against. Yes. Gotcha. No, I see what you're saying. And because, uh, again, I, I think you're being really gracious and, and appropriately gracious yeah. with Jesus pointing out to the scribes, you're blaspheming against me, but whose spirit do I have? Right. Tread lightly. No, and, and that's fair. Well, I think I'll also point out, you you accused me of being too gracious here. I'll, I'll go a step further <laughs> here. I'll, I'll, I'll jump even bolder here. I think the unforgivable sin is forgivable. In the sense that Jesus is really saying, no, 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 (laughs) that's, I'm not making excuses for Jesus. Okay. What I'm saying is, if we have made the argument as we have, that the unforgivable sin, the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. is the rejection of faith, then it is forgivable if and when you do receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'll, I'll go with you on that. One. So what I'm saying is, is so here, here's where here's where would be the concern. So like, let's go back to like prison ministry. This came up with a guy, you know, mm-hmm. in prison, and it's come up many, many other times before. But this illustrates this in a very extreme way. The guy's saying, "Look, I wasn't a Christian. Right. I rejected right. God. I I verbally rejected God, and that's why he was so scared. Mm-hmm. He was like, I absolutely said no to God, but now I have faith." Mm-hmm. Have I committed the unforgivable sin? Yes. And you're forgiven? Yes. And this is a paradox. And yes. I recognize that this yes. is a paradox. Yes. But as Lutherans, we love paradox. Yes. You got to be very comfortable with paradox. You got to be really comfortable. So is it the unforgivable sin? Yes, absolutely. Because if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you cannot receive forgiveness. Right. But that does that mean that you can never come back? No. Right. Can. Well, it, we can go back to baptism, you know, the whole idea that as an infant I was baptized. And did I have faith as an infant? Absolutely. But then as I grew and I was taught, now it's, this is what it does, this is what it works. Can I walk away from my baptism? Yes. Okay, so now I renounce my baptism, which would be renouncing the work yeah. of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Can I come back from that? 
it's not a one time chance. Well, you had your chance. Yeah. Sorry. Sucks to be you. Yeah. And no, because what happens? We have God through creation. We have the natural revelation of God's goodness in creation pointing us. Now, we have the special revelation of the Holy Spirit showing us the fullness of God in Christ, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But it's a whole idea that we're born dead. Yeah. We're born enemies of God. We're born condemned to hell. And what happens? Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we're made alive. The unforgivable sin is forgiven. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons that we need to harp on the third commandment, harp on coming to church, harp on the community that is here to keep us in that relationship, keep us in that understanding that, yes, I've been forgiven. I've been snatched out of hell. And now I live the life. I live in the light. I live in the promises that God in Christ calls me his brother, his sister, his redeemed. Well, and that's the end of our passage here. Right. In that Jesus's mother and his brothers come back Mm -hmm. and uh, there's this crowd again and they're trying to talk to him. And he says this interesting statement, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Right. We are invited into the family of God through Christ when we have faith in him. Right. And this is the joy of what we have at Holy Cross. This is the joy of what the Holy Spirit works in and through us. And we should wholeheartedly live this out knowing that we will always struggle with sin. But as Jesus says to the the scribes, forgiveness is given. Live in that. And what greater joy and then truly excitement that you have God himself saying, I belong to you as you belong to me. Yeah. Let us live in my life. And again, how can we not just simply be excited? And then tell others about this. You too can have this. Well, what if I've sinned against the Holy Spirit? Repent and live. (laughs) John the Baptist, Jesus, St. Paul, and so on and so forth. And the great wonderment. This is an interesting text. And I do think it's a difficult one. Yeah. And and because you you get a lot of humanity in this and these interesting obstacles of trying to make sense, trying to protect Jesus, excuse Jesus, build Jesus up. And we continue to do this today. And what greater time to listen to his words and hear them for what they are, the life given in himself. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.